Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Recovering Entrepreneur Show. Today, I have a special guest. Nader Biseki is joining me. Hello, Nader. Welcome to Recovering Entrepreneur Show. Hello. Thank you and pleasure to be here. I'm really excited to dig into your story. Um, you're, you're a pretty brave fella from what I understand. So maybe start off by telling us where you're, you're checking in from and you can kick us off however you would like. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I'm currently in East in West Coast in California, but I actually originally come from Iran. So I came here after high school. I went to university here, did my engineering degree, started working in Silicon Valley and, um, you know, initially for several years, very much uh, focused on the technology aspect of it and then went into management and then went into entrepreneurship. I started my company, uh, sold it to Cisco, started another company. So that's where the entrepreneurship sort of comes in. And along the way, I, uh, as you know, every startup is different and it goes through its own ups and downs. And I went through several episodes of that. And as a result, I, I really gained a lot of insight about um, startups and leadership and um, very much conscious leadership, the difference between just making things happen versus being, you know, making it consciously. So that's what I do now. I'm pretty much focusing my time and energy on executive coaching. So I work with CEOs and executives, um, both startups as well as uh, mid-size and large companies. Uh, and my primary focus is on conscious leadership. Do you want to describe what that means? It's it's so interesting. I had someone else use the word conscious uh, in a different context. So I would love to hear why you call it conscious leadership. What does that mean to you? Yeah, absolutely. If we, if we um, break that, those two words into pieces, the first one is conscious. So, you know, a lot of the leaders and and I would say, let's say CEOs and business owners are very um I would say profit oriented and it's very ego driven. Um, so the idea of conscious means just expanding that horizon and being on purpose, sort of making a positive impact in the world. In other words, knowing the consequences of every action. What, what does, uh, what does that do to my employees, my stakeholders, my community? my planet, environment, right? So that's the conscious aspect of it. Having a, a broader awareness about how each action or each decision is going to impact the, the whole rather than just one narrow piece or specifically ego. So that's how I define conscious. And then of course the leadership is, uh, you know, anyone I think is a leader starting from a household mother to a business owner that we are all leading our lives and i think we need to be more and more conscious in the type of decisions and actions that we take so that's where the two words come together have you always been a conscious leader or was it a skill that you developed that's a great question no i think i was one of those egoic ceos uh, a while back and that's how i learned when i went through my second startup I went through a lot of difficulties, you know, some external, some internal. I mean, just I just realized um, it's not a matter of willpower. 
you know, it's uh, sometimes the timing is off. Sometimes the economy, like it was actually the, the downturn of 2008, uh, the meltdown. Um, so I went through a lot of hardships. And as a result, I had to kind of go inward and really discover what am I about? What's my purpose? What impact am I going to make? What brings me joy, right? So I kind of had to go through that journey of self-discovery. And I went through many, many modalities from Vipassana meditation to um, shamanic journey work, psychedelics. I mean, I went through all of that whole process. And as a result, um, I got some insights and, and I really realized how life can be and how narrow I was at the time. So I'm really blessed and, and thankful. And I and one of the reasons I'm doing this is I want to bring those insights to share with people who maybe are the, the place I was at that time. And as a result of it, I, I wrote a book. Um, and then I also, I believe music is, a, is an amazing, um, you know, it's like, it, it's really a, a healing tool. It, it's a medicine. To me, a med, a music is medicine. So I, I also released an album um, so that I can share that as well. So that's my intention here, to share my gifts, to share my insights with people, to try to help them walk on this path uh, toward conscious leadership. Oh, I love it. Do you mind telling us a little about the desert? Because I just, I found that fascinating. Um, what oh, yeah. led you to the desert and what was that experience like? Yeah, that was quite an interesting experience. So at the time, I I was kind of uh, confused about next step of my life. You know, what what direction should I take from a career perspective? So, and I heard about this vision quest. So that okay, I'm I want to do that. So I basically signed up and went um, with a small, very small group of people. It's a ten day process. The first Three days, uh, they teach you how to protect yourself in the desert, um, like in case something happens or animal comes up. Um, and then the next four days, actually four nights, uh, is solo journey. So you actually take um, a couple of buckets of water and a sleeping bag, and that's it. No tent, no phone, no books, nothing. Water, sleeping bag. And you just go out. Uh, a couple of kilometers into the desert and you just find a place and sit. You're there for four nights. Wow. And um, and there is no shelter. You know, the, the sun actually could be quite heated. Uh, at night, it's quite mysterious, sometimes scary. But I actually thought I'll be scared, but it was fantastic. I mean, <laughs> uh, sorry, sky. It was just amazing experience. And the idea is during that solo four, four days that you fast, no food, obviously, it's just water. Uh, so four days of fasting and solo time, you just go inward, you ask yourself questions, you meditate, you reflect, and you come with your vision of who you want to be and what you want to create in life kind of thing, right? Wow. So that's the process I went, uh, I went through. In fact, the last night of that four nights was very difficult and they call it vigil night so you you put some um circle of some sort you know stones let's say uh you make a circle around yourself you go into the circle upon sunset and you don't come out until sunrise and you don't sleep 
Um, so that's the idea of really accessing your inner wisdom, accessing, you know, your own insights and coming up with that vision. So that was a most difficult thing, I would say. It was, I mean, you're hungry, you're, you're, and you just go in there and you're sleepy. Uh, but the idea is to just sit there and be, and be with nature, connect with yourself, connect with nature. That was fantastic, actually. Wow. Well, kudos to you for surviving that. That sounds very intense. <laughs> um, so is that where you decided that you should start helping the CEOs or what did your path look like after visiting the desert? Yeah, no, that was actually, uh, I was, at the time I was um, deciding whether to start another company or uh, join another, you know, larger company. So as a result of that vision quest, I decided to start my own company. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah. But That's but it's not just that, you know, there's a lot, lot more, you know, you kind of realize a bit more um, about your gifts, your, your, to be on purpose, what, mo- what makes a difference for you personally, just knowing yourself. It's all about knowing yourself better. Uh, career is one of them, but there are many aspects. Yeah, that's quite beautiful. Are you... So here's here's something I'm struggling with. I don't know if I'm just surrounded by different people or if the world is really changing. When you talk about conscious leadership, I know for me, when I was still in addiction and my old way of leadership, I was ego, I was task driven, I was, you know, I don't care about your personal life, leave it at home, you know, like all of those things. Um, and now I just got done with another W2 job and my style was completely different mm-hmm. and the results were very different too. Right. Um, so is it, I think it's because of my personal recovery journey, but I get the sense that people are starting to be more receptive maybe to, to acknowledging the ego, acknowledging, um, the damage it does, like are things changing or is it just who we're surrounding ourselves with Nader? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. I do think things are changing slowly. I mean, if you remember, let's say 15 years ago, nobody was talking meditation at work. I mean, it was like, what, you know, meditation now is like, uh, you know, everybody almost is doing that, right? The, the whole concept of, you know, doing meditation um, classes and, and, providing that for employees right so there is definitely some openness and and um acceptance um on that aspect but then i think the other piece of it is our own shift our own as you mentioned our own sort of transformation in a sense right um i love um a quote from demello who says we don't see the people and um circumstances the way they are we see people as we are so as we shift, as we change, the the worldview and and even connecting to people takes a different form and shape. It's a reflection of who we are. That makes sense. Maybe that captures the concept that I was I'm trying to wrap my head around because it's yeah. It, it just feels different, and and I know I'm different, so that could be where it's coming from. So, what is what are maybe the top two or three problems or 
opportunity areas that you find when working with your clients? Like what are the biggest struggles aside from the the profit-driven leadership? What are some of the things that you see with your clients? Yeah, you know, I think um, I would say if, if I want to sort of summarize at the high level, uh, it's uh, it's where my book came in, which is Leading a Life of Joy, Impact, and Abundance. That's a subtitle. So these three words, I think um, I, I kind of use the um, notion of being a three-legged stool. In other words, if one of the legs is short or weak, the whole structure is unstable. And so that means, and, and I use that for my own life. That's actually came as a result of my own kind of way of living is like, hey, whatever decision I make, I need to make sure these three ingredients are there at the same time. It needs to be simultaneously present. So for example, for, for, for a lot of seemingly successful people or clients that I work with, um, if the joy aspect is missing, you know, it, it's kind of, there is no happiness, there's no joy, there's no meaning, right? So even if they, if they are, let's say, financially well off, if they have a lot of abundance, uh, and, and if they are in positions of leadership making an impact, if the joy is not there, the whole life is going to be uh, dull and meaningless, right? Now, the, uh, some people have a lot of joy, but then they're struggling through financial means. They, their, their world is very restricted. So again, that's where the abundance piece needs to be there at the same time. And then the impact is like, you may work for a, for a company, get a lot of paycheck, uh, you know, even enjoy, but then you don't feel like you are making impact. You, you're not feeling like you're making a positive impact. You're not using your gifts. You're not, you're not on your purpose. You're not following your calling. And so these three needs to be there simultaneously. And that's one of the things I do to help my clients to at least have an awareness first, what, how do they, how do they rate themselves in terms of joy? Believe it or not, when I talk about joy, some, some of my clients say, you know, I haven't thought about it. I don't know what brings me joy. That's, that's sort of tells me that they've been so absorbed to their work uh, and they, they really haven't even considered what brings them joy, right? So that's what I do. I help them to explore a bit more about these three ingredients, the joy factor, how they're going to make an impact in the world in a positive way, and what does abundance means to them and how can they bring more abundance into their lives. So these are the three main ingredients. So on impact, do they do they tend to know how they could impact or what their power, like what their superpowers are or how their actions actually um, Im impact or affect their employees and the other people? Like, are, do, do you find that they have that self-awareness piece? Because I think that that's what it entails. You have Absolutely. to be aware of yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, it is a range. There are some of my clients that I do consider conscious leaders so we can we can work together and take them to the next level, which is wonderful. There are some who are not. They're very ego-driven and they haven't considered the impact of their decisions, even to their own employees or their subordinates, right? Um, they, they, you know, how each of their interactions can make a difference to to their employees or, or people. So they're so result-oriented, they don't even consider the relational aspect of it. 
So it is a spectrum, definitely. We were talking earlier, I told you with with addiction, I'm curious about things like ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and with my addiction hat on for a second, my experience in dealing with executives that I've known on a personal level is they're going to work, they're doing all the work things, they can act the role, they can play the part. But in the background, they're abusing alcohol or drugs or like there's a lot of that stuff going on. And I think it's because your three-legged stool is missing. Are you? Do you find that to be true too? Or Very is it much so. Very much so. Absolutely. And a lot of it is that lack of meaning that, you know, not having that sense of I'm on purpose. I, I you know, what I do has a meaning is going to make an impact, right? So you're absolutely right, though. That's very true. And then because of that vacuum, they need to fill it up with other things. It could be alcohol. It could be, you know, any kind of addictive behavior, okay. including work, by the way, including work. And that brings up a good point, too. More so, whatever, right? Do they... Um, so working with you, like, again, I can only ask through the lens of my experience. There was a time in my life that I would have no problem working 80 hours a week or even, you know, I do whatever it has to, to get the job done. But when I got out of rehab, I went back to corporate America and I was like, nope, I have to be done at a certain time. I have to go to my recovery meetings. I have to do like, I, it was a different way. And I, I remember telling a VP, I'm like, why are you sacrificing one of your vacation weeks? Like you shouldn't be here on your vacation. Like go figure it out, go have fun and not be here. Um, do you see that being a big issue too with, with um, maybe it's like their identity going to work. Is is that what it is? Cause I don't know in my head, I think that these are strong, powerful, intelligent people in most cases yeah. in these roles they got to know how to get the job done in 40 hours or less. Like- very, you know, very good observation. I think you, you really have that insight because a lot of people, they do what they do to compensate their lacks. You know what I mean? Sometimes they don't have a sense of self-worth uh, and they compensate that through work, through achievement, through creating more stuff to show up, you know? So it is compensatory. It's not... It's not driven from the inside. And that's what um, we usually do, work on that kind of stuff so that they connect to their own self, uh, to their own gifts and to their own vacuums, you know, holes in a sense, so that they have a better sense of, hey, I don't want to be um, a slave of my actions. It's the other way around. I want to make a choice. I want to decide what makes most sense, right, for, for me. So, but you, you're absolutely right. There, there is a whole bunch of people who, again, externally, they look very successful. They like, they have everything in life. But then when you dig in and go deeper, you realize, oh, wow, there is a lot of um, broken relationships, um, lack of meaning and purpose, and, and just, uh, you know, not enough zest of life. There is no richness in their life. If you were to create a quiz to for people who maybe don't have the self-awareness, maybe maybe it's the guy that does go home and drinks every night or or whatever. What are a couple of questions that leaders should be asking themselves to figure out if they're 
conscious leader or if something's missing? Is there any cues that they can discover on their own? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I have a little blog on my website, which is a free download that I talk about that. But I mean, let's just talk about a few top ones that, you know, like some of the things we talked about. First thing is, hey, am I on purpose? What does it actually mean? Right. How can I bring how can I have a sense of meaning in my life? Right. So am I on purpose? Am I am I following my calling? Right. The one that is related to that is what are my gifts that I want to bring to the world? Right. What are my gifts that I want to share? Right. So that's that that's another piece that really comes in uh, very well. Another very obvious one, what we talked about, the joy thing. Am I in joy? Am I having doing the things that brings me joy? You know what I mean? Again, it's all ties together. There is relationships amongst all of them, but it's, you know, the specific answers of these questions tell me and themselves whether they are conscious leaders or not. Because a lot of times ego gets in the way. And um, they may have short-term successes, but invariably long-term they will suffer. Just like what I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I have I have a question that's that's hurting my heart right now because the more I listen to you, the more I'm having some revelation. So there you do have clients that have reports, right? It's not everybody's yes. the top. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or they report to someone else. Yep. Okay. So <clears throat> as you're talking, the last role I had, I had impact, I had joy, and I had purpose. I knew I was making a difference and it could trickle. And that was what I told my people. Like if we show up with a good attitude, then the customer has a good attitude and their customer has a good attitude. Like I could feel it and I get really mm-hmm. energized mm-hmm. and excited about it. The problem was the owner of the company didn't operate from that place, from the people place. And it's why I had to leave. So what advice would you give, you know, to people who are um, in leadership roles that can't lead the people above them, so to speak, or change the culture above them? So you got disconnected a, a small portion. I want to make sure I understand. When you, uh, the reason you left was what? Say that again. So I had all three legs of the stool. Loved yes. the job, had abundance, had joy, had purpose. It was great. But I wasn't in alignment with my owner because he didn't have all three legs, in my opinion, mm-hmm. as an outsider mm-hmm. looking in. Um, maybe he had, maybe he had joy and purpose, but I didn't feel that um, the impact on the people was in alignment with the way that I now do things. I feel like he was like, old Bobby. So what mm-hmm. would you tell people that are in leadership roles that their leaders aren't conscious leadership? You oh, know, yes. like, how do you handle, absolutely. how do you handle that instead of getting fired? Like I did. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. So there is two things. The first, very first question that, you know, someone like you need to ask is, are they coachable? Because there are some folks who are closed. It's very, very difficult. I mean, at least at that stage of their life. Uh, it doesn't matter what you do and how good you are or how heartful you have uh, been talking to them. They just are not coachable. They're not, they're kind of solid, rigid. They don't want to move, right? If that is the case, you made the best decision. You left because that's not the place, right? But 
I would say nine out of 10, uh, they, they can expand their horizons. And some of this, in this case, you could play a role of expanding that um, window or door, right? Through all these means, even having a heart-to-heart conversation, even exposing them to tools and people and possibilities around showing them a different way. And the beauty of this is when you show them this other alternative way or you know parallel way, they get more joy out of it. They get more, you know, they, they, they actually feel like they are doing more goodness into their world, right? So, so I think it's not, you know, after a while when they see these insights, when they see these new tools and capabilities, they actually like it. So they, they also, also get a positive reinforcement. So, but that initial period is really important. And, um, and my experience is that a lot of these ego oriented folks, um, that is not aligned. Once they see this path, once they get a bit more familiarity, they actually really take it seriously. And, and they, they kind of say, wow, I missed this out for so long. How could I do that? Right. Um, and then they, they make that shift over time. So we can we can set the example by implementing and absolutely that, that's part of the leadership as a conscious leader, right? You it doesn't matter where the layers of hierarchy are, we're all leaders and we can play that role. Love it. So I I didn't get the name of your book either. I want to make sure that we say that out loud. You probably were thinking to do it later, but let's make sure we say it. So I don't want to sure, sure. Yeah, it's called Path to Freedom. Leading a life of joy, impact, and abundance. All right, path to freedom. I love that. Um, so, what are what are some of the skills? So we we talked about the foundational stuff, but is there certain skills that you see that there's trends? Um, is it communication? Is it listening? Is it like they're usually good at the financials? They're good at delegation maybe yeah, yeah but but are there certain skills that that you see as as kind of trends with your clients that people might want to take a look at absolutely you know it, one of the things that keeps coming up over and over is how do we deal with conflicts how do we navigate conflicts and and these conflicts could be um just i have a different opinion or I just don't like you, you know, you, you, you come across as too aggressive or whatever, all of that, you know, bundled into that whole conflict, navigating conflicts, right? And in that whole area, there are certain skills that really help uh, move in a positive direction. The first one, and probably the most difficult is listening, actually, conscious listening. Because we, all of myself, we have uh, a tendency to listen selectively, you know, like a lot of us already have a preconceived idea in our mind and we listen to sort of reinforce that position to, mm-hmm. to kind of uh, protect our way of seeing the world rather than truly listening to learn something new. You know what I mean? Yes. So, so that, that is a very difficult thing because it's almost like we've been doing it over and over time. So you were talking about listening and you, I heard as far as we we listen kind of with judgment, waiting to get validated. But then it was the next part exactly, that, exactly. that we didn't hear. Right. So, yeah, the fact that we're, we're all sort of 
conditioned. We have a conditioned mind. You know, we look at the world through our own filter, right? And a lot of times when somebody's talking, we're already thinking about what to say next, right? Uh, and if you have a point to prove, we're trying to find more ammunition to come come out stronger, right? So so it's not conscious listening. It's not really listening to learn something and to really understand. So that's one of the skills that is probably the most important, really foundational, the ability to listen, to understand. And a and lot, of, lot of us have a tendency to talk more than we listen. You know, we want other people to hear us, to understand us. We just keep going, right? So, but it's not a balanced way. So the, the conscious listening is definitely one of the pieces which, which requires this whole concept of shifting our approach, our mindset from judgment to curiosity. Can we truly listen with curiosity, without judging, without labeling? It's very difficult, very <laughs> difficult, but it's required, it's necessary. That's one of the skills that um, almost always uh, we, we can all improve. And, and it's going to make a huge, huge impact in conflict resolution. Um, so that, that's one piece. The, the other piece is, again, which is all related, is the idea of we all, especially at work, we all have expectations, mm. right? And the mm. expectations often leads to disappointments, to, hey, you promised me this, you didn't do this, or, you know, just betrayal, disappointments, right? Uh, so again... Another tool or, or I would say skill is to shift that mindset from um, expectations to agreements because expectations by design is one-sided. You know, I, I expect you to do X, Y, Z, right? Versus, and, and by default, expect because it's one-sided, the other side doesn't, a lot of times they don't know that the expectation is there and they don't even know what the what the expectation is the definition of this expectation right so a lot of times it ends up with disappointments so uh, a way to address that um, and sort of resolve that conflict is to come up with agreements rather than expectations and agreements by design is two-sided yeah. is collaborative and it requires conscious listening because I need to understand your perspective before before I can expect my perspective to come through, right? So I need to really understand you so that we both have an agreement. And then after we have clear understanding of what needs to happen and we both agree, then we are on the same page. And then by design, you'll be accountable and I will be accountable. It's, it's a joint partnership, right? It's a, it's a joint commitment. And, and, and from that point on, I can count on you and vice versa versus an unspoken expectation. So these did, are some, some skills and tools to use. Did you learn all this from trial and error in your own experience? Or do you like reading different gurus, leadership books too? Like, is there anyone that you like their philosophies yeah, there are, I, it's a combination. Definitely my experience. Uh, definitely leaning, reading a lot of books um, and, and following certain uh, leaders that I uh, respect. Um, journey work uh, you know, definitely connected me to my own wisdom, to my own things. Um, in terms of books, yeah, there are a few folks that I do follow. Um, 
both at the leadership space as well as spiritual space, because there, I, again, I, I kind of like to bridge the two together. Yeah. Uh, because conscious cool. leadership requires the spiritual aspect of it as well. Uh, you know, people like, um, you know, on a, on a leadership side, Patrick Lencioni, Jim Collins, uh, you know, there's a whole, whole bunch of folks there. And then on a spiritual side, people like um, um, Michael, what uh, what's his name? Uh, I forgot the name. The, uh, uh, Untethered Soul is one of the books. Oh. Um, Singer, Singer, I think it is. Michael Singer. Um, Could be. Yeah, a whole, whole bunch. Yeah, yeah, a whole bunch of... Uh, uh, of, uh, of people on the spiritual side. Yeah. I, I love that you said that, that you're bridging the gap. Cause I really think that that is what makes us better human beings, um, is having both aspects of that. So that's, that's a wonderful model. So what does it look like to work with you? Do people sign up for months? Like what, what's the experience to work with Nader? Yeah, typically it's a long-term engagement. Typically, is a year engagement uh, because I do feel it's a it's a partnership and it takes time to really shift these perspectives and mindsets. Um, and um, I, I have had smaller engagements like six months, but anything less than six months is is very difficult to measure success uh, because I I really like to truly partner with my clients and you know play a transformative role in their lives. Uh, and, and when I say lives includes personal and business, because I don't separate them from each other. So it it is a longer term engagement. I would love to give you the opportunity to brag before we wrap up. Do you want to do you have maybe an example or two of the kind of impact that the coaching has had and, and what it's done for a business? Well, there there is so many of them, actually, actually. Um, one of the one of the most important aspects that at least for me is heartwarming is the kind of notes that I receive and and they renew like year after year because they they want to work with me because they see the difference where they started and where they ended up after a year and and a lot of it has to do with raised awareness uh having more clarity in terms of again their purpose their gifts uh learning a lot of skills and abilities um, so again, it's it's um, it's a life changing transformational work because, and that's what the role of a coach. Because without a coach, and in fact, I went through that too. I, I learned a lot of it from my coach as well. So without a coach, you have a, a linear extrapolation of your life. You know, your past kind of dictates what what happens in your future. With a coach, you can take a leap. You can actually shift your perspective, your mindset, your horizons, your consciousness to a new level. And that's that's the uh, joy. That's the rewarding on both sides. I get a lot of pleasure out of it to help people to expand their, their world, their consciousness. And, um, and they will be also very um, grateful for it as well. So it's a win-win scenario. Love it. Mel Nader, is there anything that I forgot to touch on that you'd like to share with the audience? Let's see. No, I think I, I love your questions. You did a great job. And it's uh, it's such a pleasure to think about this because when you ask these questions, I I uh, think and respond. And, and as you talk, more clarity comes through. Oh, thank you. I, I love this topic. I 
very early on, I wanted to be a vice president by the age of 40. And um, it wasn't quite as traditional, right? It was, I was in the grocery arena. So all the executives were white men. um, And and Mm. uh, looking up, it was so clear to me that impact was not generally the the motivator. Um, So I was very dialed in and then I dated a couple executives and that's how I know they go home and drink so much. Like, it's just crazy uh, what they do to their bodies. And and it's almost like having two personalities, you know, there's the work personality and the outside of work personality. Like a facade. Yeah. Very strong. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I used to think I wanted to be that way. Um, And I don't want to be that way. I want to be a conscious leader. So, well, it looks like you have found your groove. You have found you have your sort of working. You have sort of gone through that transformation yourself. Seems like recovery helped, and um, I'm very blessed. Right, I get to talk to people from all over the world and the country, and and learn everybody's expertise in a fun, engaging way like this. So, um, I'm very fortunate. It's it's good stuff. Wonderful. Well, it's 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 been really a pleasure to be here, part of this show. Yes, I'm I'm going to reach out to you again in the future and get you on the recovery side too, so we could dive a little bit more into your spirituality expertise too. I'd but be I, happy to absolutely. And uh, again, for the audience, if they want to reach out, uh, my website synergist.com. That's C N E R G I S T. Um, that's uh, that's the place to go and and look at my services. And then I also invite um, anybody who wants to know more about me to listen to my music because that's the language of the soul. Oh, we didn't even get to talk about that. Do you do you encourage your clients to to integrate music into work? I do. In fact, one of the I I mean, it doesn't have to be music, but creative work. I always uh, look for what what is what tool do they use for self expression. For me, music is is a powerful tool, but for others could be painting, could be rock climbing, could be whatever. It's like you feel like you're expressing yourself fully. Yes. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that on 3212 because I'm just learning how to appreciate music in a different way. I've never been one of those, um, I call them like they're special people that can interpret the lyrics or hear all the instruments or like it's it's. I'm having music awareness the way I would have self-awareness. Yeah. So I would yeah. love to dive into that. Oh, absolutely. You know, in fact, I called the name of the album Sacred Gift. To uh-huh. me, it is because I, I actually, when I was in the process of creating that album, I really felt this music came through me, not by me. Mm-hmm. And that's why I called it Sacred Gift. It was a gift that was given to me so I can share with the world. And and again, to me, medicine is music. Uh, sorry, uh, music is medicine. Yeah, I think I can agree with that. That's great. All right, Nader. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure. Thanks again. And I uh, look forward to talk more. If you're not my, try to make me-